Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Uh, Pastor Paul often talks about how uh, my wife is the most gracious person on the face of the planet, and um, there's a re- few reasons for that. Um, she is very gracious, but it's probably more to do with me uh, and, and my renovating. So uh, if, you, if you know me, for well, I've been renovating our house for quite some time. It's, I think we're nearly seven years into our renovation. Um, and we, we, we nearly finished our previous home's renovation before we sold and moved here, and we nearly finished the house before that's renovation before we sold that and moved here. So um, there's, there's, a, there's a journey of renovating uh, in my life, and uh, my wife is very gracious because she went without a kitchen, really, for six months. Um, we sort of bits and pieces, and uh, we, we got through it, and so I, I see it as I'm building resilience in my wife and kids. Uh, I don't think she sees it the same way, uh, but there's this idea of the construction that is taking place, and uh, this, this construction zone in, in my life. Now, my wife and I often have lots of discussions about um, what things look like in the future. So my current project is, um, I haven't finished the other projects, but I've already started on the next one. I'm basically finishing up building a little barley hut out the back of our house. And um, I'm like doing footings and concreting and all the significant things. And my wife would be talking about, oh, you know, we could put a pot plant here. We could put decorations there. We could put, oh, we've talked about what sort of lights we're going to hang from the thing. And I haven't even built it. And um, we, we see things very differently. And my wife uh, loves to look at how things, she wants to make a home out of the house. And I just want to get the structural thing done. And so maybe you can relate with that. And maybe you're going through a bit of renovating in your place right now. And uh, but there's a danger in, in our Christian lives as we journey, uh, that we can want to decorate our lives. And we, we sometimes don't realise that we're in a construction phase of our lives. That God is he's wanting to do some significant moving of walls in our lives, and we are fixated on decorating and making things prettier. And there's a danger in that. And there's a superficiality that plagues Western Christianity. And the superficiality uh, doesn't uh, take God as a personal God. It's, it's like this generalized picture that God is out there. But we don't really take ownership of what it is to have a genuine personal relationship with Him. And we see God's kingdom more like a bunny, uh, more like IKEA store than like a Bunnings place where you get to, to structurally build your life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you're thinking, oh, you know, Sam, I'm pretty, pretty good. Uh, we, we, we don't, you know, we're pretty grounded and we're, let, let me bring some statistics because statistics are enlightening. Now, I love Americans. Americans are great because they also love statistics and uh, they have given us many statistics that help us inform uh, how we see the li- our lives. And uh, there's a recent study that's come out. I love these American studies. They're fantastic. And I guarantee we're the same, but uh, I had a thousand Americans and they found that the vast majority, well over half of them, 
uh, praying every day. So there's this general sense of prayer is good. And so good on you Americans, doing really well in that sense. But then they actually like, we need more information, more detail about what are you actually praying about. And they, they've come a, a, a beautiful list of some things that they've been praying for. Uh, 36% uh, prayed for prosperity. Uh, that's for an abundance of wealth. And, and 21% prayed for winning the lottery. Like, if you've seen Bruce Almighty, you know it doesn't end well. Uh, 20% pray for success in something they haven't worked or earned or put any effort into. Yeah, like, you haven't studied for the exam and you want God to give you top marks. It's like, yeah, I don't know if God's also just. I don't know how that works out. Uh, 13% of people prayed for their sports teams to win. I, I wonder if there's any like guilty you know, hearts right now. You know, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but maybe this is hitting some spots in your life. Uh, 7% of people prayed for parking. Now, it's probably a lot higher in Vicky Point because there is no parking, so that's, uh, that's a genuine one there. Uh, 15% report to have prayed that something bad they did wouldn't be discovered. It's interesting. It's a significant amount of people praying that their mistakes... Uh, they're praying to a God who, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth. So you're praying to someone who knows everything, uh, that he would keep things quiet. And you're like, well, I don't know if that's necessarily what God is wanting for us. Uh, 14% of people, this is a little bit morbid, 14% of people prayed for bad things to happen to someone. It's like, oh, surely not I. Uh, 7%, this is a kicker, 7% prayed they wouldn't get a speeding ticket when they got caught speeding. You're like, well, you know, maybe God's just wanting you to not speed. Maybe, throw it out there as a, a novel idea, don't speed. Uh, but there's this superficiality that can be seen in our prayer life. Now, prayer is a wonderful way, it's like a window into our theology. Yeah, I love listening to people pray. You hear their theology, hear what, what challenges their life, what their passions are. And uh, in, in a, v- a very significant way... I believe God is calling his church. We're taking steps for revival. We're taking, you know, God is wanting our church and us as individuals to have an internal renewal and for his kingdom to be built. And we are to realign our, our decisions and choices and, and lifestyle according to God's pathways. Uh, but I want to suggest today that true discipleship is more like a construction site. It's, it's more like a demolition zone. Now, some of, some of you have a spiritual gift of demolition and love knocking things down, uh, but this is something that I think is really important for us to consider, the deconstruction of some sense of our spiritual lives. We start asking God some deeper, harder, rawer questions in our lives. And we, we contrast what we see in Western Christianity with park, praying for pretty parks and, you know, some a nice nice things in our lives for our sports team to win, we contrast that with the Christian church in the Soviet bloc or communist China or North Korea, where survival as a Christian is not necessarily guaranteed. And we see the contrast in, in what people are praying for over there. And, the, and in Africa, we see the, the heart of people, the real problems, who have real striving. And we see Christianity flourish in places that people view their journey in discipleship as a construction zone. And as a church, we would be wise to consider viewing discipleship and following Jesus like a construction site and not trying to decorate your hovel. Sorry, that sounds a little bit bad, but uh, see, you you and I are earmarked for significance, not for superficiality. 
And there's a danger if we, if we stay at a place of superficiality and we, we, we keep praying for God to enhance our comfort lifestyle, that we, we don't, we're not grounded. We're not grounded in our theology. We're not grounded in our understanding. We're not grounded in a personal relationship with God. And as adversity and challenges and trials confront us, uh, we are washed away. But this is a construction phase. And part of this construction site of our lives, the construction site of Sam, is being open for God to knock down some pretty big walls and to challenge some really big things in my life. So when Jesus came 2,000 odd years ago, uh, the Pharisees weren't open to, God, to Jesus challenging them. The disciples were open. The Pharisees, they, they were not open to God confronting them. And so my question to you and I is, are, are, we, are we open to God knocking some pretty big walls down in our lives? Maybe some of your theology. Maybe some of your understanding, a revelation of God that, that you're like, you know, uh, I'm not willing for God to, to, to bring a birth a new revelation in. Are we unwilling to consider Jesus as Lord in all areas of our lives? Uh, the Pharisees weren't. And we see, if we pick up your Bibles in Matthew chapter 16, if you'd like to read along, um, we've got it on the screen. Uh, verse 13, uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, it's interesting up to this point that Jesus doesn't actually talk about himself as the Messiah. For, for three, odd, three years, approximately three years, Jesus has been talking about himself as the Son of Man. He's been, he's been cryptic. He's been revealing to disciples a, a, a version of himself because they weren't ready to understand him as Messiah. See, the word Messiah and Son of David had military connotations. And so if Jesus said, hey, uh, I am the Messiah right at the start, um, they would have built a, a mind in their mindset a stronger version that Jesus was going to be a militant leader and he was going to confront Rome with all its glory. But as Son of Man, it's a cryptic concept and he, he's engaging with people. He's like, hey, what, what are people saying about me? And if we were to ask that question in our community, we, we, we see a variety of different responses. We see a variety of different people who, who have a general concept of spirituality. See, most people that I've had contact with that outside the church have this view that there is something out there. There's a general revelation of God that's there. There's a generalness that something's out there in control. There's, there's a lot of order. There's, a, there's, there's not chaos. There's order and there's, there's laws and there's principles. There's physics and there seems to be something governing. It's a spiritual force out there. But it's a general revelation. It's not specific. And that would, that would be true of the people in Jesus' day and true of us today. Uh, verse 14. Uh, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? At some point, we need to come to this realization that a revelation of God needs to be deeply and profoundly personal. And that we need to come to understand him, that God is, is a personal God. And that the significance of God being a personal God changes how we operate. It changes how we pray. It changes what we pray for. And it changes the very nature of discipleship in our lives. See, the source of revelation, our understanding of Jesus, can come from lots of different people. 
What we, if, you're, if I was to ask you a question, if, I, if you for one, could do this, I don't know if it's possible, but if you could unlearn everything you know about God that you heard from someone else, what would you know about God? It's an interesting thought because most of what we know about God is through other people. But there's a, a specific personal revelation that God wants for you to have regarding him. It's personal. It's something, it's intimate. And, and so much of what we know is through other people, but I think sometimes that's the easy way. We, we try to get the cheat sheet to know about God, or we, instead of spending time in his word, we, we go to listen to a sermon. So I'd much rather you stop listening to me, pull out your Bible, and get into the personal revelation of God right now. Don't, don't do that, I'll be offended. Uh, but this idea that, that God is the source, and, that, and that it's a personal revelation that requires a response from you and I. It's a personal revelation that's transformational. You know, a generic revelation of God isn't going to change you. But as we step into and take steps of faith and commit to a discipleship model that's more like a construction site that allows God to confront the big issues in my life, we start to see a personal revelation of God. See, God doesn't have grandkids. He has sons and daughters who, have, who, who he desires to come to know him. And crucial to our faith is this encounter directly. We're called to a journey, not a destination. And so maybe in your life you've got your theology to all together and you feel like you're, you're ready to start decorating your house spiritually or you're like just tweaking things in your theology. Can I can consider and throw out the idea that God has got a wrecking ball? He's wanting to knock down some of your preconceived ideas about who he is. He's got a significant revelation of who he is that he's, he's longing for you to connect with him, to engage, that he would receive a fresh revelation of Jesus. See, the revelation uh, of Jesus as Messiah to his disciples took three years of walking with him. It was a growing revelation that took place. It took time. And whenever I think of time, I think of spit roast. I have this habit of tying everything. Every sermon has a meat connotation to it. I love meat, and I love meat that's slowly roasted. It's, I, I hope you're getting hungry now as we approach lunchtime. Um, but the thing about a, a, a roast is it's, it's, it takes time. If you contrast it with like a microwave meal, it's like, ugh. But a, a roast slowly takes on the flavors of the things around it. And the revelation of God is a revelation that can take time. Now, short of a few examples in the Bible where like Saul had this incredible encounter with Jesus um, met him on the road to Damascus and changed his whole perspective. Short of that, most revelation that happens throughout the Bible and in my life experience has been a slow, gradual roasting as we take on board the revelation of God through the people around and from spending time in prayer with him. He slowly reveals things in my life. And it's a construction zone. Spending time with God often is a confronting exercise. Sam, your attitudes, they stink. You know, your actions, you need to, you know, like, it's confronting when you spend time and you allow God to, to do the deconstructing work in your life, but it's, it's significant for God's kingdom to be built and forged in and through your life requires us to have an attitude of a construction site. And so we're not yet ready to Ikea decorate. So be a forever student. Never stop learning. 
Our theology is a lifelong pursuit, not a static understanding. You know, we, we graduate, we finish learning when we pass away. Our graduation ceremony is a crematorium. It sounds a bit morbid, but it's that reality that you're never going to arrive, church. And understanding that you're never going to arrive while we still have a physical form is really key because that's why we desire to spend time with him. He's got some incredible revelation. I don't care how old you are. God has incredible revelation of who he is that he's wanting you to take hold of today. He's wanting you to blow your mind with how incredible he is, how glorious, how big, how magnificent he is. But the moment we stop seeing our life like a construction site, we are not open to God revealing to us. Our spiritual arrogance kicks in uh, when we feel like we've arrived and we stop learning. And uh, we start to see, as we start to see our lives as more of a construction site, we start to see God reveal himself in different ways for different circumstances. So every situation that you are in, the struggles, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, God is wanting to reveal a new aspect of who he is in and through. And we see that through the Bible. In the desert, God demonstrated to Israel his provisions. In the storm, Jesus demonstrated his power and sovereignty. In the wilderness, God demonstrated his ability to lead and guide. In captivity, God demonstrated his capacity to use others, other kings to achieve his purposes in restoring his people. In jail, uh, Joseph discovered a God who continued to speak and use him to achieve a life of significance and save not just Israel but all of Egypt. In Jonah, we see a man who couldn't outrun or ignore the calling of God on his life. And in Paul, we see a, a heart that is transformed from one of murdering and actually killing Christians to actually supporting, encouraging, and being the, one of the greatest ambassadors of Christian faith. See, there's this revelation that God has in every situation that you're in right now. God is wanting to reveal himself in and through. And this changes. See, when we see our lives as pretty much like theologically, we don't really need to grow or learn. When we, we look at tweaking our lives, like, God, there's a discomfort in my life I want you to deal with. But when we see our lives as a construction site, we're like, God, what are you actually showing me through this drama, through this ordeal, through this pain, through, whether it's a physical hardship you're going through right now? What is God teaching and showing and wanting to reveal himself to you through this? It's, it's, a, it's a different way of thinking, but it's crucial as we are discipled, as we follow Jesus, that we consider that we are not yet finished, we're not complete. Uh, we'd be wise to consider the season we're in might just continue until we are open to what God has to learn about him. You know, sometimes we say, oh, you know, God responds to prayer, yes, no, or wait. But I think there's another option of, you know, God's, God's waiting for us to, to have a change of heart, to take on what he's wanting to show us. See, most, most revelations of God happen when things aren't necessarily going well. In my life, there's the valleys that things grow. Everyone wants a mountaintop experience. Everyone wants like, to sit on the mountaintop and take in the incredible view. But it's in the valleys, that's where things grow. It's in the valleys and the hard times. That's when the, the God takes hold of this personal revelation of him uh, is, is most vi vividly revealed. Uh, and there's this idea that we have a progressive revelation. That We see that through the Bible, that God reveals himself through the, the Bible, through the Old Testament, time after time, in, in new ways. My, my question to us as a church is, when's the last... How long has it been since God has revealed something significant about his character to you? 
that's a confronting question for me. It's like, you know, okay, how long ago has it been since I've had a fresh revelation of Jesus being living water, fresh bread? You know, like it's just such an incredible concept that God has got a new revelation for him, for you and your life that's going to empower and transform and change the way you're thinking. But there's a response from us that require, is required before we get that. Uh, are we piggybacking off... Are we piggybacking off someone else's experience of faith? It's, it's much easier to jump on board. Like, I've, I've got a few people that I love. I love Louis Giglio. I love listening to his passion. And it's much easier to listen to Louis, Louis Giglio unpack the Bible than for me to go to Bible myself. But the key is this personal revelation of God, this personal intimacy with God. It means I actually need to spend time in His Word and get to know God because... You know, God's, God reveals himself to us in different ways for the seasons we're in that we need to know him in. And so if you're piggybacking your faith off someone else, you're missing out on your faith being relevant. Does that make sense? Like our relevancy is our intimacy and dependence on him directly. It's this personal faith that makes our life and our, our faith relevant to us. Uh, God has a different revelation for each of us about him. And as we come together, we bring together this broad picture of who he is. Awesome. You still alive? Yes. All right. Uh, so are you vicariously living through someone else's revelation or are you owning your own discipleship journey and wanting Jesus to reveal himself to you in new and fresh ways? Because if that is your desire to own your faith yourself, to have fresh revelation, then the rest of it makes sense. Like, it's easy to spend time with God if you want a fresh revelation of who He is. It's the desire to pray, the desire to spend time in His Word is there. The desire to worship and be immersed in Him is this beautiful thing. And it takes, it takes hold of our lives when we see that we're not finished that, that I'm so far short of what God is wanting to do in and through me. And it's true for each of us. Awesome. So in verse 16, Simon continues, Simon Peter answered uh, Jesus' question about who do you say I am with this. He said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And uh, we need to see Jesus in, in God's terms, not our own. Uh, and, and, Jesus, and verse 17 continues, Jesus replied, blessed are Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. See, revelation about God comes from God. And this is the thing, is that when, we, when we're spit-roasting and spending time in God, spending time in his presence, we start to see and take hold of a revelation of who he is. And it says marinating in, in his presence, in spending time in his, in his people, we're surrounded by people who, who have God's heart, spending time in worship, spending time in prayer. See, nothing is as powerful in receiving a revelation, a personal revelation of God in your life than spending time in prayer with him. There's nothing, nothing that can beat that. It's just the most beautiful thing when you spend time with him and you start to have your life reshaped. But it's a slow process at times. It's a gradual time with God. It takes shape as you take hold of his seasoning and marinating in your life. See, we choose the basting. We choose the culture we sit ourselves in. We're like, you know, uh, sometimes we want a microwave revelation of God and God's like, you know what? 
I want you to just continually spend time in my presence and I'm going to reveal my heart and I'm going to change your heart for people. I'm going to grow a love for other people in your life. So you stop thinking about getting a closer car park. You start realising that my heart is for the lost. My heart burdens for, for, the, for the people that are struggling, for the injustices of the world. That my heart is bigger than your comfort. You're a construction site. What is, what is God, what are the challenges in your life is he wanting to confront and deal with in your life? So we can choose a construction site uh, or we can choose decoration. And, and, and what I mean is, is, is this verse sums it up beautifully in verse six, uh, chap, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So you seek first God's kingdom, his priority, and the decorations will follow. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to give you good things because he wants to bless you. He wants to give you good things, amen? Like he is a good heavenly father. He loves his children. He wants to bless his children. But ultimately, his heart is to birth his kingdom in and through your life. And that requires at times for your life to be deconstructed and a construction site. Who knows what a construction site looks like? It's messy. There's dust everywhere. I remember jackhaming up tiles in our house. Dust everywhere. We discovered for the next six months where dust could go. It's an incredible experience to be in a work site. Uh, but, But if we start to see our lives as we are a construction site, here's the thing. We start to be gracious towards other people who God hasn't finished with yet. And so when we start to see our lives as a construction site, we start to be gracious to those around us who are still journeying, still learning, and God is working through their desires. It changes the very nature of how we see. But if we're trying to decorate our hovel, we're trying to, you know, like this will do. God, I don't want to knock this wall down. It's cool. Let's just put a giant painting over it. No, God's, God's like, hey, you're missing the whole point of a personal revelation of me is that I'm wanting to, to be in and through your life. I want to birth my kingdom. And that is the part, that is the point of a personal revelation of God is that he want, he's wanting to birth his kingdom in and through you in an incredible way. So we have this choice. Uh, sometimes sometimes I, I struggle, often at times, forgiving people. And, uh, you know, the, the, it's a challenge to, like, like, like Sam mentioned, you know, if there's, if there's something in your heart that's stopping you from connecting, engaging, and enjoying God, deal with it. Don't put up with sin in your life that separates you from an intimacy with Him. Let's be obedient and respond in that way. It's a construction site. It's going to get messy. It's going to hurt. Dust and tiles are going to fly everywhere. Sometimes there's a wrecking ball. But through it all, God is rebuilding and building something beautiful that will last. A kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that cannot be knocked down. It is a kingdom that sustains for eternity. And that is worth investing in church. This this temporary comfort zones that we have around us, that's not God's heart. God cares more about your character than your comfort. And he's wanting to take his people on a journey. And this is what true discipleship looks like. It's a construction site. And it requires us repenting, sometimes daily, sometimes hourly. And this is not a how bad you are, Sam, you're a bad boy. No, this is realizing that for God's kingdom to be birthed in my life, my kingdom needs to get out of the way. Less of me, more of him. 
It's a construction site. It's messy. Uh, let's, get, let's get used to the mess. And uh, yeah, that's good. Good point, Sam. I like that one. That's, that's, a, that's a keep. I'm going to write that down. All right. Uh, verse 18 uh, continues, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And it's, this is really interesting, because Peter's name literally means rock or steadfast. It is just the commitment, it's the consistency. It, it's a beautiful picture here. God, Jesus is using incredible wordplay. Now, I don't know if you realize this. This is a fun fact. You've got to learn something out of every sermon. Uh, when Jesus gave this, he was talking to Peter. He was talking in Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, and it was actually a real place. Fun fact, the Bible's real, right? It's grounded in reality. Uh, there's a place called Caesarea Philippi, and it actually has uh, a, a cave like this that's actually called the, the this is a literal name, is Gates of Hades. So when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking at a place that's got a literal place called the Gates of Hades. And outside the Gates of Hades is a temple to the god Pan, to the Greek mythological god called Pan. And this god, Greek mythological little g god Pan, um, he, he, there's a story about this. He, he scared away some enemies by screaming at them and created panic. And that's where we get the word panic, evidently. So panic comes from the false god Greek, Greek god Pan. And uh, so in the space of chaos, so this is the temple god to, to panic, right? In this place of panic, Jesus is like, Peter, you are the rock. And then scholars are debating, is he talking about the theology or statement of what he said or the person of Peter? I think we find that both are true. That Peter uh, is, is a... The rock of Peter is Peter holding on to and committing to Jesus as Lord and King. That, that is that foundation that, that Peter is, is building his life on. And that is, the, that is the reason Peter is so significant in life. Peter's not incredibly amazing at kind of anything. Uh, he, he's, I mean, I haven't met the guy, but uh, from, from, what we wear, from what we read, he's kind of an ordinary bloke like you and I. Um, but because he was committed to God's plan, to his kingdom, he did incredible things. And so when the rest of the world was anxious and fearful and panicking, and as God panic was, was very much at the same place uh, when Jesus was giving this message, you know, he's saying, Peter, you're going to be steadfast, you're going to be rock firm. One of, the, one of the ministries that we have at our church is Project Next. And part of Project Next is we're, we're seeking in to build in resilience in our kids, that they would know who they are, that they would know the truth, and that would be a foundation for them. So when the chaos and anxiety and fear of this world kick in, they know who they are, they know where they stand. This is resilience. And so Jesus is speaking prophetically into Peter that you are the rock Keep holding on to Jesus. It's an incredible and important... There's a picture of the, the ruins of the temple to the god Pan. And um, it's, it's really important for us that we keep holding on, that we commit to Jesus. And you're like, well, that's, that's a nice thought, Sam, commit to Jesus. What does that actually look like in your life? It's interesting because I think commitment looks like... I jumped ahead, sorry. Uh, commitment looks like different things for different people. 
But I guarantee that God is wanting to increase your commitment to him. And it might mean church, I mean, we're not trying to plug church to get more people here, no, not at all. But we would love to see you commit to a discipleship model, constrict, can commit to, how about this one? How about you commit to a, being a construction zone in your life? Allow God to, to bring down some of the walls that you've set up, some of the pain, some of the fear, some of the bitterness, enmity, whatever it is in your life that is separating and keeping you from his presence, would you consider allowing God to work in that place? It's a, it's a big question. What does commitment look like? Maybe it's committing to, to following him. Maybe it's a devotional time with him. Maybe it's prayer life. Look, prayer life is absolute foundation. Prayer is so crucial into your life. It is, it is what realigns your heart to follow Jesus. So prayer is key. Maybe, maybe you've been challenged by the list of things I've pray, uh, that, that the Americans were prayed for. Maybe you're like, oh, I've actually enlisted a few of them myself. Maybe God's saying to you today, I want you to commit to praying for people in a significance and a life that matters. Maybe, maybe God is, is prompting you to pray for someone that hasn't experienced the goodness of God in their life, hasn't encountered him. One of the greatest privileges of my life before I became a pastor was leading people to Jesus. At Gents Camp, we had time and time again of being able to engage and pray with people and lead them to Jesus. What an incredible prayer to be able to do. What a privilege. My heart would be that all of us would be able to experience the joy of leading someone to Jesus. Amen. What an incredible gift that is to the church to be able to introduce people to Jesus. But this is a commitment, committing to the discipleship model that's a construction site and not an Ikea furnished home. So hold steadfast. Choose your commitments and stand by them. Be people of substance and fortitude. Uh, don't allow circumstances to determine your faithfulness. There's a, uh, there's a beautiful picture here that we see. I, I love doing weddings and part of weddings, I love seeing people commit to each other. There's a beautiful part of commitment and commitment leads to intimacy. And the greater the commitment, the greater the sense of intimacy. And we see this in, inside the, what, what the idea of sexuality. Our commitment to our spouse is a beautiful place and a gateway to intimacy. Commitment is key. And part of this, we start to see that committing to God allows a personal intimacy with him. It's a committing to him. So if, if you're feeling isolated, lonely, separated, dry in your spiritual walk, have you committed to him? And I don't just mean as, uh, like Jesus as your Lord and King. I mean actually having and establishing spiritual disciplines in your life because the spiritual disciplines in your life is like the basting that goes over the beautiful spit roast meat. Oh. That's the spiritual disciplines in your life. And sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I can't really see immediate results. I've, I've spent, you know, some time with God today and my life hasn't transformed. It's a spit roast, people. It takes time. As you spend time with him, he, he starts to flavor your life and, and work in and through you in a beautiful way. It's not a microwave fix. Uh, but don't, don't commit to the furnishings of your faith, but let's commit to the founder of our faith, Jesus. 
Yeah, awesome. I'll skip through this. Uh, I'm mindful of time. Uh, Peter was, was and became the rock because he committed to being a construction site. Peter, he, he, he didn't have it all together. He was confronted by the Apostle Paul, who, when he started to bring some um, legalism in, Paul confronted him and said, hey, don't be that guy. And he responded with a softness. Would we be like Peter, be a rock, a fortitude that is willing to be also a construction site and allow God to challenge our understanding as we go through? Uh, this, is, this is a picture of me in Israel, and that's an M60 tank that I was working on. And uh, I, I didn't know until later that that sign under, that around my neck is uh, it's Hebrew for under construction. And it just, it's so key because this is stuck with me. Is this, is this is what discipleship is like. This is what the following Jesus looks like. It's under construction. God is doing things in your life. You haven't arrived. There is an incredible amount of revelation that God is wanting to, to, to give you, to lead you through. Uh, you are under construction. You're not finished yet, and that's a wonderful thing because that keeps us dependent on Jesus. Car parks are not bad to pray for, but would we allow God to dare and to expand our vision, to expand our dreams, that we would engage with people with meaningful relationships, that we would engage with God in a meaningful way? Uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you call us to a life of significance and not superficiality. Lord, I just pray that today you would maybe even convict some of the attitudes of our heart, uh, that you would confront some 